Over a month into the prolonged stasis of coronavirus lockdowns, it's natural to begin thinking about when we can all go back to normal. It's a contentious question that pits medical caution against economic pain. But for businesses, the more pertinent question is probably not when we go back to work, but how. The issue of how is so important to companies and to chief communications officers in particular. What is that going to look like? And it's going to be complicated, it's going to be confusing, and it's going to be drawn out. It's not date specific, but rather what needs to be in place in order for us to begin that return to work. That's Bob Feldman, vice chair of ICF Next. He's been studying this question recently and led page member conversations with members around the world to solicit their thoughts. I'm Elliot Mizrahi, and this is The New CCO. The the issue of how we get back to work is going to come down to three separate categories that need a lot of attention starting you know now, if it hasn't already received attention. One is around... Uh, policies and guidelines that are coming from public officials. Two is around workplace health and safety. And three is around the impact of all of this on corporate culture. I'm not sure we're at a point yet where there are best practices, but to see what's working and what's not working, not only in the States, but around the world. So I think if we go to that first category of of policies and guidelines, the challenge is the recovery is going to come at different times by geography, and perhaps even by demographic, right? So as a consequence of that, one of the things we're also seeing are are differing guidelines coming from local, state, and federal officials in the United States. And if you think of this around the world, very similar things are happening there too. Unfortunately, we've gotten to a point where your political orientation is now having a substantial impact on how you interpret the severity of this crisis and what the appropriate behavior is to deal with this crisis. It's unfortunate. I think we can all agree that you know the, the guidance on that ought to be science-driven, but there are differing views. The implication of this kind of politicization, to me at least, is to strongly advocate that companies do what they need to do to depoliticize decision-making. And what I mean by that is that, for example, if I was the CEO of a large company, or for that matter, I guess a small company, I would want to have my own Dr. Tony Fauci by my side. I want, in addition perhaps to just one uh, senior medical advisor, I might want a medical advisory team, and I'd actually make that individual and or team visible in my organization in an advisory capacity to help inform the decision-making that's going to be required. Because as CEOs and leadership teams determine how to reopen, and they have to do that on a market-by-market basis all around the world, I think it's essential that employees understand how those decisions are being made and have confidence in those decisions. The second category that I talked about is, is workplace health and safety. And that is an enormous undertaking. I mean, companies are going to be responsible now for, for enforcing not only social distance policies, but physical office layout, uh, COVID-19 testing, perhaps temperature testing, uh, mask distribution, potentially health questionnaires, uh, making sure there's access to hand sanitizer, that, you know, policies on deep cleaning, policies on contact tracing. I mean, things that companies hadn't prior thought about, and certainly chief communications officers hadn't thought about, 
But as we all understand and can appreciate by watching public officials deal with this, those companies that not only embrace smart policies and have thought about this in sufficient detail, but also then effectively communicate this and over-communicate this to their people will be the ones who, in effect, I hate to say it like this, but are the winners in this in this kind of in this uh, process. Uh, over-communication is going to be essential. Visible leadership is going to be essential. And people want to understand what's happening. I mean, if you, you think about just yourself in this situation, I don't want to go back to my office until I know it's it's safe. Right. And now that has all sorts of implications. I mean, independent of policies. So we may have a policy that permits, for example, uh, many companies are going to want to take a look at who in the organization is essential to be in the office. Everybody else maybe could just stay at home indefinitely. Those who need to come to the office may need to migrate into A, B, C shifts where like one third of the population comes in on you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, another third, Tuesday, Thursday, and the cycle continues the following week and so forth. Companies are going to have to think about these kinds of logistics and managing those logistics when it comes to things like temperature testing uh, or, or COVID-19 testing, for that matter. You know, how will that get done? Will that be outsourced? You see really large companies right now, for example, Amazon and some others are thinking about building their own labs to do their own testing. I mean, these are really, really complicated issues that are not going away anytime soon. So you're probably looking at a two-year program here till hopefully we get back to some degree of whatever that normalcy is. And I'm reluctant to say back to because one of the points I'm trying to make is we're not going back to anything. We're going to go to a new normalcy. This is not three to six months. Let's get through this. And then hopefully, you know, we're 80, 90 percent of the way there. More people now are talking about multiple waves and thinking of it almost like a roller coaster, which is, you know, really difficult to think about because we may uh, ease up on restrictions and then may have to impose those restrictions. The point of all of this is companies have to anticipate this and do the things they need to do to assure employee health and safety and then communicate that so their employees have a high sense of confidence in their ability to actually go back to work. The third category is around the new corporate culture. What that means in part is concerns are going to remain for some time quite high around personal health. I think most people kind of agree that until there's a vaccine, there's going to be anxiety. And so we're going to have things to deal with with employees around health, their own anxiety, mental health issues, daycare issues. When you won't be able to come back to work, there are going to be consequences to that in terms of if schools are not open, but people can come back to work, that's going to create a burden on, on families. There's uh, elder care, sick care. Uh, people obviously have gone through some uh, real financial pain. Uh, we can have whatever policies we want in companies, but that doesn't mean people are going to want to follow them. In other words, you may want people to come back to work, but maybe they don't want to go to the office for a while. Uh, travel restrictions at some point might be lifted, but you know I might not care about travel restrictions being, lift, being lifted. I'm not getting on a plane for the foreseeable future. What are companies' policies about that? Right now, most companies are being, I think, quite good about being flexible and accommodating and being very kind of empathetic to the needs and concerns of their employee population. But being flexible and accommodating is really not a long-term policy. I think it's the right approach today, and it's probably the right approach for some time. 
But where is that going to go? I mean, when things start to go back to some degree of travel, some degree of a presence at the office, when people are resistant to that, how do you deal with that? How do you accommodate those needs? One area that's very important for companies to examine and potentially enhance is their commitment to diversity and inclusion. We're all quite aware of the disproportionate impact COVID-19 has had on communities of color. I would think most companies, if not all, would want to reach out and really better understand what that impact is and make sure that their policies and programs uh, are enhanced and align with the needs of those constituencies to best respond to the problems that we're tackling right now. Clearly, companies need to stay values-driven, continue to provide or even expand counseling and employee assistance programs, continue to offer or enhance flexible approaches to leave policies to allow for sick family members. I think you're seeing more companies in the last few weeks offer extended leave opportunities for people in order to take care of whether it's parents or children and so forth. I think companies need to begin to consider and maybe draft more durable long-term policies for implementation when that's appropriate. And to really start to think about the corporate culture and change management and how do you leverage your core values to define and, and plan for an evolved corporate culture. But like, what will that look like? I mean, how do you want people to experience this new normal for the company? Begin to define that and then uh, activate the organization to that end at the appropriate time. Medical advice can provide the scientific grounding for the actions that a company will take. But we don't operate in a vacuum. We already see protests for putting people back to work, even in places that continue to strain under the pressure of treating the infected. It's inevitable that politics seeps into the calculus, and CCOs need to count for that as well. I think most would agree that companies ought to try to avoid politicization, but the reality is that may not be possible in every case, and the environment we're in now is that there's patchworks of policies and solutions rather than a cohesive approach. And so a company may find themselves in a state that, for political reasons, is calling for business to resume, but their scientific advisors are saying that's a bad idea. And so it puts them in a precarious position. Is there any practical advice you can give that sort of help CCOs effectuate that depoliticization? The reason I feel so strongly about the need for a visible medical advisory team to the leadership of the company is the company needs to do everything it can to depoliticize the decision-making. Now, the practical reality is, uh, you know, much of the population sees everything these days through a political lens, and I think there's no, no escaping that. But people do understand and respect a decision-making process if they understand what that process is. So establishing early on the metrics and the means by which the company will make decisions to open up uh, operations and how those operations get up is really essential for acceptance by employees. Related to that also is just because there may be local guidelines or state guidelines that permit opening in certain markets. And it's clearly, you know, companies may open uh, operations in one state sooner than in another, for example, and that's to be expected and that, that may well make sense. But one thing that companies do need to do 
is to consider what will their standard be? Is it just because, you know, a local or state official says this, th- these are our guidelines? Uh, I would imagine most companies are going to have a, a bar that is slightly higher than that. But whatever their choice, that needs to be made carefully, thoughtfully, with expert input, and then communicated to constituents so that they understand those considerations. And those considerations should be communicated prior to the decisions so that when they understand or learn of the decision-making, those decisions are seen in the proper context, understood, and accepted. This is going to be complicated and drawn out with considerable operational and reputational risk. Policy, culture, and communications are going to be the essential ingredients. There's a large role here for the chief communications officer and the larger communications function. One, to play an important role in an integrated work stream with people from HR, legal, medical affairs, and so forth to assure that the policies are sound, practical, and actionable. And two, for communications to play a leadership role in making sure all stakeholders understand what went into these new policies and people understand them, appreciate them. So communications is going to be essential. I think we see that in the way it's being handled at the public level, at the government level. Those leaders at at the local, state, and federal level in the United States, for example, who are really standing out in this country are the ones who are really... uh, doing it very well from a policy perspective, and then over-communicating. They're holding daily town halls that are being broadcast live on television to their constituents. This is a time for leadership to really step up and be visible. Companies do need to do scenario planning based on timelines and availability of testing, treatment, and vaccines. Uh, This is a big lift. It's a 12 to 24-month lift. Uh, Chief communications officers need to get the resources they need for this. This is actually a substantial new work stream for the next two years. They should be looking at internal resources that maybe can be reallocated to be devoted to this. They should be looking at external resources that have expertise on this matter. But it's a substantial, complicated lift. It's going to have enormous reputational impact on organizations. And the truth is, it's a big responsibility as well as opportunity, I think, for chief communications officers. I'd like to take a moment to thank our podcast sponsors for this year, Rivet, which is our podcast producer, and Crisp Thinking. Crisp Thinking uses AI and human intelligence to protect global brands from the weaponization of communication and the spread of misinformation can find out more at crispthinking.com. You can find out more about Rivet at rivet360.com. If you enjoyed today's episode of The New CCO, be sure to check out our latest episodes and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, leave us a rating and a review. We want to hear what you think so that we can keep making this podcast more interesting and valuable to you. To find out more about what's happening at Page, please visit us at page.org. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time on the new CCO.